On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. listening to Tall Can Audio. I have something to say to you! Here's your host. The issue here, sir, is that everyone fucking hates you. Matt Robinson. All right, here we go. Off and running again, episode 948 of the Tall Can Audio podcast. Glad you're all with us here today. As the good woman said, my name is Matt Robinson. Hope you'll follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Talkin Audio. Love hearing what you guys have to say about these episodes uh, over there. Uh, as well as wherever you're listening right now, there's a follow button, there's a subscribe button. Uh, make sure you hit that so you can stick around for future episodes. Lots of great stuff to come. Big episode today. We're going to be joined by uh, comedian John Wing, guy I've been a big fan of for a long time. And we started trading messages here and there, about uh, mainly about the Leafs. Uh, on Twitter, and then, yeah, at some point just threw out the invitation, and he was interested uh, or open to coming on, so uh, really excited to be talking to uh, a guy who's one of the earliest stand-up comedians I can remember seeing, uh, to be honest with you, and uh, he was on all the time on uh, things like Just for Laughs up here north of the border, right, and uh, I don't know, you saw him all over the place, I've seen him live a couple of times, and he's got this podcast now called... uh, the Bad Piano Player podcast, and it's a cool concept where uh, he'll sit down and he'll learn a couple of pieces of music. There's a theme every week, um, whether it be an artist or uh, we just did their last week, St. Patrick's Day, so uh, some St. Patrick's Day songs, and he'll learn to play them and sing them, uh, like I said, on the piano and and just talk about the music. And uh, so that's kind of an interesting take for a guy that I knew mainly as a, as a stand-up comedian. Uh, to hear him off and doing something like that. So if you want to check that out, it is called the Bad Piano Player Podcast, as I said. Also, a bunch of books out. We will link to some of those, at least give you some titles here in the show notes for episode 948 uh, at com or wherever you're listening right now. There's normally a drop-down or a pop-up or something. You'll be able to find uh, the show notes there uh, if you're interested in uh, in checking out any of the books. But yeah, he'll be with us in just a second, just before we get to uh, to John. I want to remind you guys what we got coming up next week, March 31st. We will be joined by Canadian music writer Michael Barclay. And uh, he's got a couple books out already, as we've talked about before, including uh, one that I absolutely loved um, that came out uh, a few years ago now on uh, the life and times of Gore Downey and the Tragically Hip called uh, The Never-Ending Present. Uh, The new one that is coming out uh, in April is called Hearts on Fire. Six years that changed Canadian music. And uh, we're talking about the kind of 2000 to 2005 era. Um, So right in my wheelhouse in terms of, you know, when you're kind of in your late teens, early 20s, these are the songs that are on all over the place, changing the industry a bit, but also at the parties you're going to, at the bars you're at, these sorts of things. And it's kind of a sweet spot for music for me. So uh, glad that he's putting that together and glad that he'll be on. Like I said, that's Michael Barclay on March 31st. And the following week, we haven't nailed down exactly which day yet, uh, but our buddies, our UFC fight panel, Graham Creech and Steve Bunda will be back on the podcast as we get you ready for uh, a stacked UFC 273 card. So that will be uh, two weeks from now. Uh, hope you'll stick around for those. We're going to have a lot of fun. In the meantime... As promised, happy to welcome into the show. He is a podcaster, a comedian, a writer, and a self-described bad piano player and mediocre singer. John Wing is here today. How are you doing today? I'm okay. I've been upgraded to a reasonably competent singer. Okay. That's big news. 
Um, you've got the uh, the podcast there. I want to ask you about that in a bit. It's called the Bad Piano Player Podcast. I've checked out a couple episodes. It's it's not what I would have expected from you, and and to me, that's maybe the most interesting part of it. We'll get to that, but I want to start here. I was doing a little bit of research before we chatted, and I didn't know until uh, until today that you had appeared on Johnny Carson, which I know back in the day was was the ultimate for a stand-up comedian. And I just wondered if that was sort of when you got into the business, is that as big of a deal for a Canadian stand-up comedian as it is in the U.S.? Was that always a, a big thing for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, I did a thing in uh, 1983. Uh, Globe and Mail did a feature on the Easter Saturday edition the paper on the new comics in toronto mm. and a guy came down to yuck yucks and he saw a bunch of us and uh uh he featured me in the article among other people which was very nice of him right. and he interviewed me and in the interview he said so what's the goal here and i was three years in three roughly almost exactly three years in he said so what's the goal and I said, well, well, yeah, you know, the goal is the Tonight Show, but <laughs> let's be honest, it's a pipe dream. Um, and I did it seven years and four months later, something like that. Uh, it was the biggest deal you could do at the time. Cause TV was very powerful. It, uh, if you could lock into a bunch of, you know, do a bunch of them over a period of four or five years, do... 15 or 20 then it was, then it was extraordinarily powerful then it made your careers shandling seinfeld letterman uh leno wing no no <laughs> put yourself right there with the group I right did it six times. Yeah. i did it six times yeah. in six years or six times in five years something like that and um yeah six times in five years so once a year, and that isn't enough. And by the time I did my last one, the power was gone for the most part, for the most part. My second one was with Johnny. Right. Uh, the year before he retired. Oh, wow. Just snuck it in there. Yeah. I, I tried to get one in the uh, during the retirement uh extravaganza the six month <laughs> period or so but uh didn't so what do you think of like you mentioned there it's an interesting thing like how many comedians made their name on that show and, and you know if you could do it enough times you kind of become you know that you get that exposure from him what do you think of you know for for comedians coming up now we don't really have a lot of the same places that everyone goes and watches every night but you do have the ability to get online and be on youtube and and do a hundred different things that way to get yourself discovered it's still hard to to make a name what do you think of kind of the way the industry has gone in terms of you know well building uh, yourself up kind of thing right the developmental stage is different for young comedians today our we had a seven night a week club and it wasn't the only club in town you could go to, but we had a club you could go to seven nights a week. So we had a group of people who, who were there every week, right. hanging out, doing amateur night, uh, going to a lot of shows, watching the other comics, learning from by watching, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's all open mics. I tweeted the other day, we only had one or two places to do comedy for free when I was young. Now you have 50 or 60 places that'll let you do it for free. Or if you want to pay, you can pay to do it. Right. Uh, and it, it was a joke. Some people didn't get it actually. <laughs> um, but um, it's it, the developmental stage of a comedian is, is all about number of times on stage. It's all about reps, right? It's all about, uh, your your knowledge is exponential, uh, exponential tied to the number of times you've done it. Uh, to from one hundred times to two hundred times, you learn five. You know five times as much. Mm -hmm. It's like, but um, but you don't. You rarely get a chance in your early days 
even now, to stretch out and do 15 or 20, that's very difficult. So a lot of guys and uh, a lot of people are um, are working on that same five, that same 10. Right. That may, and that makes development harder, too. But, but when we were doing it, I, I thought it would take five years, and I was pretty close to being right. Five years to where you know what you're doing. Right. Uh, but, but it's, it's just about the, the, you know, my, my, uh, I know a kid in Toronto who happens to be married to my daughter <laughs> and, uh, he did a bunch of shows in 2019. I, I suggested to him at the beginning of the year that he should, uh, do a hundred shows. Right. That be his goal for the year. And, and he did, I think he did close to a 90 something, but his development was was amazing and fast because of that and then he got shut down for two years so that makes it you know yeah million times harder so uh you don't know you don't know yeah there are more opportunities to get noticed but it's also harder to get noticed right very uh paradoxical situation right now for sure um you have uh there's there's music involved in your stand up as i said you've written you've done poetry you're podcasting now like growing up as a kid did you know was stand up always something for you or did you know I, I i just i like to entertain people and that's how all of these things sort of ended up in your repertoire like you're fairly well rounded entertainer oh thank you it was about entertainment um i was just i was always looking for the thing that would satisfy me the best entertainment wise uh i did theater i did um i learned how to play the guitar uh, i learned I, I took piano lessons when i was a kid i was in i was in concert band while i played the trombone uh I, I liked singing in bars in college i even though i was no good as a singer in fact somebody said to me if you intend to play the guitar in front of people and sing you'd better be really funny. <laughs> um, but uh, I did all those things trying to discover the one that would satisfy me. And it turned out it was the one that didn't necessarily satisfy me, comedy. It hooked me. Right. The first, you know, it's, a, it's an old story about comedians. You do a, your very first set and you kill like you went gambling in Vegas and won $2,000 the first right. time. Um, so you kill and then you come back the next week, do the same set and eat it, just eat it. <laughs> and the, uh, the eating it set that hooked me. Really? That, yeah. That was the one, man. How do I get back to that other set? How do I never do an eating it set again? Well, that took a while and it never, and, and I could still do a, an eating it set tomorrow. Sure. But uh, uh, the uh, I got hooked by the bomb set, the second set. Is it right away in your stand-up career that you're incorporating music into it, or do you sort of develop yeah. some confidence and then bring that in? Uh, no, I, I incorporated music right away, but then I took it out after uh, a few months. And then... In the, right, in the article, in the paper. Oh, no, that was a bit. All right, that was, no, I, but before we did the article, I, I wrote a song. I wrote a, I wrote a funny song that sucked, just sucked. And I never did it. I knew it sucked. Right. But there was one line in it that I thought was interesting and might work. So I, I scrapped everything else and I wrote a second song based on the line. And that song became my closer. Although I was recently, um, what's the word? Is it doxxed oh. or shame? Some guy tried to shame me on Twitter by finding a recording of that song on YouTube or something. Um, and uh, I, I wrote it when I was 24 23, 24, I did it till I was 41 or two, 
so I haven't done it in 20 years. Uh, and it's it's it wouldn't fly now, right? Wouldn't fly. Different world. Yeah. So so I I didn't I wasn't shamed by it. I just said, hey man, if that's the best you got to shame me. Twitter's a nice so, place, eh? That's yeah. Oh baby, you kidding me? <laughs> so what like what makes you decide to to bring it back in like you you pulled it out of your act for a bit there you said and then bring it back in like is it just a maturation of the act or how does uh well i had something to do yeah. first the first thing uh, the hallmark of the young comedian the starting out comedian is he's really dirty he or she usually they're very dirty uh all the music bits i had were song parodies then in the beginning, yeah. and they were all just filthy, just <laughs> disgusting. So I scrapped all that, and then I wrote that song. And once I had the song, I thought, well, if I'm going to be doing this every show, I better have more than just this one stupid song. So then I wrote a bunch of song parodies. Again, a lot of them wouldn't fly now. Sure. Um, and then I came up with this weird idea that that punctuated it a running gag in between this i started the song set with this one gag and then i would run the gag after every song i would do the gag and by the third or fourth one i had an ex i had extra layers and i would add layers until finally uh i i had four or five jokes based on a, a similar joke running by the end mm -hmm. you know and then I would finish with a song that referenced the running gag that was a quickie, boom, boom. And you were, and that was the end of the show. Um, so I can't, and it was like 25 minutes long. Excuse me. Um, and that developed over a period of time because I suddenly started working week after week after week after week. Mm -hmm. And I developed this, this piece over a, a probably a year. The, the podcast you do now, the Bad Piano Player podcast, it's, it's eclectic, can we call it? The, uh, the musical collections uh, that you're doing, and uh, you're sort of all over the place in the styles that come out, and, and you play the piano, and you, you sing this. What is your... Like, did you grow up in a, in a very musical house? Because it seems like you've been exposed to a lot of different types of music. I did grow up in a musical house. Um... Uh, I took piano lessons. I had a very um, uh, musical brother. I had one brother who wasn't musical and one who was. Right. Uh, but we all love music. And I was, my, my, the, the younger, well, they were both younger, but the youngest brother was a pr prodigy, right? He had perfect pitch. He was, he was really, really talented. And the, um, um, both my sisters took as well. One of my sisters is a, is a, a voice teacher. She teaches me voice. She's a professional singer and a voice teacher. Mm. So lots of music. And I, I'm a, uh, what's the word? I'm a, a, a fanatical collector of things. Okay. Books uh, on various topics. And a few years ago, I started collecting sheet music because I love to play the piano. And um, I began to collect different people, and e eBay became this incredible resource for that. And uh, so uh, when, we, when the pandemic hit, I didn't know how long I was going to be out of work. I didn't think it was going to be two years, no. but I didn't know how long. So I said to my daughter, well, actually, I, I did a podcast. I did an episode. I recorded it on my phone before I... But then she said, you know, it's crap. The sound is crap. You got to do the sound right. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. uh, so she started recording me and she insisted it only be 30 minutes or, right, you know, roughly. Uh, we've had episodes that were 40 minutes, but I don't think we've ever had anything over 40. So um, we started them doing a weekly episode in April of 2020. And I just, I have so much sheet music. I have so much sheet music. And I and I continually collect more, and I'm running out of space for it. 
uh, we bought a special piece of furniture to house it that fit in with the living room decor and everything. And it's full. It's, it's, uh, it comes up to my, comes up to my belly. So it's four feet tall, mm -hmm. about three, two or three feet wide. And it's full <laughs> of single song sheet music, top to bottom. And, um, uh, so I have to keep it cataloged. And then I got obsessed with getting ahead of, ahead of myself and, you know, getting new episodes prepared. And, and, and it's been a progression of, of what I can play and then what I can sing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm doing episodes now that I couldn't have done a year ago. Sure. Um, and I just was on a cruise ship for 30, 32 day trip. And I had 18 songs with me. We do six songs an episode. So I had 18 songs with me for three episodes. And I wrote the monologues for all the episodes as well. And I printed those out last night. And I'm ready to record in the next couple of days. Get all three done. It's, um, I, I heard you say something on one of your episodes of the podcast that you had an interesting approach to you have the sheet music, but you won't go and and find the audio or the music of it before you learn it. Can you take us through that a little bit? Well, I, I recognized even before we did the podcast that if you learn a song without ever having heard it, the version you learn is your version mm -hmm. and only your version. And you may listen to it later and discover that the professional people who did it do it way different than you. Um, and I, I'm not as strict on that as I used to be. Um, while I was, I like three of the songs that uh, I'm doing, I'm doing a Groucho Marx plays Carnegie Hall episode. Okay. Uh, which was a concert he did in 1972. And he, I'm doing six of the songs he sang in that show. Uh, and three of them I'd never, yeah, three of them I'd never heard before. Um, uh, and I've only listened to one version. One of them, this is this was so great. One of them was only had only been recorded four times in a hundred and eight years. Oh wow. Uh, 1915, 1968, 1972, and 2015. And the 2015 singer is a British soprano named Patricia Hammond. So I reached out to her on Twitter. I listen and I listened to her version, and then I reached out to her on Twitter. And I'm gonna—I may end up having my first ever guest. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, um, yeah. So the, the the so much of the fun of this is in the research of the song and who recorded it, and and who did it first, and w was it a hit here? Because you know sometimes you get a song that's a hit two or three times in different eras, mm -hmm. but also you, you just want to introduce people to different kinds of music and different song gems that are long forgotten. That's another thing I love to do. So it's fun. Eh? Like it, music is one of those things that I'm absolutely not an expert in, but I, it's always on, right? Like I'm always, there's right. a, and one of the things I got really into is, uh, especially as I was growing up a bit, I was kind of into like punk rock stuff. And I would love when those bands would cover mainstream songs and, and put their own version of it. And I don't really, I'm not that interested in a cover where you do your best to do exactly what the original artist did. I want you to take it and put your spin on it, right? Or your own style, the way you play these songs. And the one that comes to mind to me most often is, um, there's a guy named Brian Fallon who was in a band called the Gaslight Anthem and he had a side project called the Horrible Crows and it was all kind of <laughs> downscaled, uh, grungy rock kind of thing. And he did this version of Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. So you couldn't have found more different, uh, and I have a feeling he was doing it for a laugh at the time, but yeah. that, that Katy Perry version, you couldn't pay me to listen to it. It's just not my style of music, but he takes it and he's got kind of a cool bass line to it and runs it out there as kind of a, a more mellowed out rock song. And you're like, man, I love this, right? And it's just That's neat great. to see people take a different spin on something, right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. One, of, one of my problems, my singing teacher tells me, is if I'm doing a 
a bunch of songs on a podcast that I've known for a long time, mm-hmm. I revert back to all my bad habits. Okay. And I'm I'm doing a Steve Earle episode upcoming in the next couple of months. It's one of the three I'm preparing. I'm doing Road Songs, Groucho, and Steve Earle. Okay, nice. I know all the Steve Earle songs. <laughs> I and I have to practice so hard to, uh, what's the word, to sing them properly, not how I learned them, right? I to learned not, them with these bad habits kind of thing. Yeah, not, I learned them. Yeah. Well, my one of my biggest problems was in the beginning, every note was at full power. Right, I had very, very little range, mm-hmm. and I had to let let it loose on every single note, <laughs> which, you know. So I'm trying to work up these uh, Steve Earle songs with a little. But here's the other thing: I'm I'm 62. If I heard a song when I was 14, if I heard a song 40 times one summer on the radio, I could sing you every bit of the lyric right now. Wow! Without any yeah. But a song. I practiced a thousand times last week. I can't memorize that son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, and I don't know why that is, but I can't. Ah, the so, brain was a little more young and spry back then, right? It's uh... probably it, the <laughs> suppleness of the, of the, the muscle. That's yeah. probably true. I remember back in the nineties, probably when I first started to see your stand up, and it was mainly because, uh, just for laughs was on the comedy network about 12 hours a day and yeah. uh, it was on repeat quite a bit and I saw a bunch of your your uh that's when I first started to see your work and I wonder what the the differences are I know you you live down in the US and you travel around you've done a bunch of stuff there you were on uh, America's Got Talent what is the the differences if any and you know maybe it's a stupid question but for a stand-up comedian in Canada versus working in the United States is you know, is it a different number of clubs? Is it a different style? Is it a schedule? Like, I just wonder if there's any differences that jump to mind in working in the two different countries. Uh, the difference is in, um, you, there's material you're going to do in Canada that you're probably not going to do in the States. That's the difference. I mean, clubs, clubs are clubs. Uh, some bookers you like, some bookers you don't like, some club owners you like, some club owners you don't like. Um, the road is the road, right? Sure. Uh, you 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 work clean, you work dirty, whatever it is. Um, yeah, you, you have to try to be adaptable. But the big thing is, you'll have bits. You'll like you'll have a. I have a joke, which we can uh, lead into our hockey topic. Sure. I have a joke. Uh, I have two jokes in my. This is how old I am. This is how old I am. When I was a kid, Tim Horton was a guy. <laughs> Okay. And uh, the other one is, uh, this is how old I am. The last time the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup, I was alive. <laughs> and and neither of those jokes worked sure. in the state. Right. I, um, I did a, I had to do an extra show on the cruise ship I was on last week. Uh, and I was freaking out about it. Because normally I'm only, I only, I'm only contracted to do two different shows a week, uh, 45 and a 30. Or usually now it's two thirties, two different thirties. But uh, he wanted two different thirties that were that were uh, PG or R, and then he wanted a and the last night he wanted a clean forty five in the theater. So I did two club sets, and then a theater set. Right. And my material dovetails in and out of itself a lot, so it was really hard. So I had to do a musical show which I haven't done in a thousand years, <laughs> all songs. So a half hour of nothing but songs. And two of my songs are very Canadian-centric. Right, okay. Two of the songs I have in my uh, in my, my general repertoire, the Canadian Beaver song <laughs> and the Moose Jaw song. And I looked at them both, and I decided I would do Canadian Beaver because I had to do one of them. Yeah. I didn't have a fifth song without it. Um, so, uh, and even I had some, I had some other songs, but I just decided they weren't appropriate anymore. And one of them wasn't even 10 years old and it wasn't appropriate. <laughs> so, um, uh, 
So I did Canadian Beaver Song, and a couple of Canadians came up after the show and were very nice. But but you had to, you know, you could tell mm-hmm. it, they were they were sort of lay, uh, uh, pushing themselves back against the song, going, "Oh, will I even get these jokes?" Right. right. So, and it's just a bunch of uh, beaver jokes <laughs> that, of if course, you, have a different meaning. By, yes, of course. Script. Uh, oh my god um and maybe they the, the, they just don't land quite the same south of the border i guess but well, it uh opens with, it opens with jacques Cartier. yeah okay they got no they no. got no right oh about who jacques Cartier, right Tell right how do you find yourself in in california is it just with the industry you're in it was easier to to move yourself down there or how does that play out in 87 i worked 42 road weeks Yikes! And I did a couple of uh, in-town jobs, and I did a little bit of acting that year. Okay. And uh, but I looked at it at the end of the year, and I thought I, I can't work more road weeks than forty-two. No. Seriously, I can't. So if I'm going to make more money, uh, I can't stay here. Uh, so I, I checked out with a lawyer, how do you get in? Right. Mm-hmm. How do you get into this? Is there a way in? And he said, he looked at all, he looked at everything I had and he said, you know, the best way would be to marry an American. <laughs> and, um, I met one and then that was early. That was in the, in the year 87. He told me that. And a couple months later I met a, an American comedian, um, uh, who lived in LA and we started going together and uh, we ended up getting married and that's how I got in. He became one of those damn foreigners. (laughs) Well, we're still married. Yes. But the thing is, here's what I thought. I thought uh, I could go and fail and that'd be fine, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, But if I don't go, I'll always wonder. Right. And I'd not always wonder. So I went. And I, I mean, according to Twitter, I did fail uh, because I didn't get famous. But, um, uh, you know, you, you make a life for yourself. Well, that's somehow. pretty, it's kind of relative, isn't it? Right? Like, yes, it is absolutely relative. Okay. I was talking with a friend about it on Twitter the other day. Uh, you can't worry too much about that because. Look at the people with real talent who never made it. Right. Never. They made it. They, they, they never got famous famous like they should have. People you saw and went, wow. Right? Yep. They didn't, they didn't get to that place. And, uh, and, and it's a rare thing, right? It's like uh, I, I was at a show a million years ago. A local show here in LA, a, like a uh, a comedian's night that a guy used to put on, and that was the first time I ever saw this guy, Patton Oswalt. Oh yeah, and you knew it, it was must have been twenty years ago. And as soon as you saw him, you went, "Wow, this guy!" I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's going to make it. I mean, look at him. But in the sense that, how how is a guy like that going to be famous? And mm-hmm. yet. And yet, the, the talent was there, and he got some excellent breaks, and bang, right? Yeah. And he, and he deserves it as, as much as anybody does. But there were there were guys equally as talented, uh, and and women too, mm-hmm. uh, who didn't, who didn't make it at all. Yeah. Sometimes and it's just the way the breaks go, women. right? And absolutely. Yeah. It's very fickle in that sense, and so. And I did make it. I my goal was to make a living doing comedy, and I did. I totally made that. Well, that's so, it to say. I mean, did the Tonight Show? What you said six times? Been on a few different. Like you got people buying your books and tickets to see you across the. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of exactly. it's a weird thing to say to somebody that's that you're not famous and all that's going on, right? So, well, I was. Some people uh, are just assholes too. There's like a guy. Do you know, who Chris Hadfield is. Yeah, the uh, space uh, yeah. commander. We were both born in Sarnia on the same day 
of the same year. Wow. So in two, there were two hospitals then. I think there's only one now, but we were born in these different hospitals. So, okay. So I know Chris, uh, we did a couple of gigs together. I'm in Sarnia uh, two or three years ago, and Chris is playing in the theater, the Imperial Theater in Sarnia, mm -hmm. the big place, right? Yeah. It used to be, it was the movie theater when I was a kid. It was the <laughs> Capitol movie theater. So um, it's afternoon, and I'm walking down the street, and I see that he's there that night. So I go in, and I say, I'm a friend of Chris Hadfield's. Is he here? And the guy says, yeah, he's doing a sound check. And I said, well, can I go in and say hi? And the guy said, no. Right. And I said, well, I'm a friend of his. We yeah. know each And he said, I'm not, you can't go in. He's doing sound check. And I said, okay. And there was another guy from the theater there. And I said, okay. And I turned and left. And as I was walking out, the second guy said, don't you know who that is? <laughs> the other guy but it didn't matter right. right so i wasn't even famous enough to be allowed into the local theater <laughs> to watch a guy do his sound check in my hometown <laughs> it's almost like one of those eating it sets <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i um you know as we kind of dance around the hockey thing here a little bit long i was at a, a, a leafs game back after the 2013 lockout and uh it was the home opener and uh, that was when Hadfield was up on the station still. And uh, they had a camera link up or whatever. And uh, they said he was going to drop the the puck for the home oh, opener. Right. And I expected, okay, he's going to let it go. And we'll see this video thing where it kind of like flies. Like it's all animated and flies through and comes down and gets dropped from the ceiling or whatever. Instead, it was way funnier, but far more simple. He just put his hand out and he, since it was no gravity, the puck didn't drop. And it was a much better than my stupid idea or expectation, but it, it, just to, to see it like a, he's a big he's leaf a guy. guy. Yeah. He's a very funny guy. Yeah. Uh, so. One last thing before we get to the hockey, then I wanted to ask you uh, about the writing. You've already got several books out. I had a novel come out uh, last October uh, and then uh, book of poems. Same. The novel is a story of a lawyer in a small town in Michigan in the mid seventies. And he picks up a burglary case. He defends this professional burglar who's been in prison and is, you know, getting old in his 50s. And he's, he's been burgling the, the small town. Uh, and so he, he knows a lot of secrets, which the lawyer now knows. And it's going to be trouble. So that I said it in Michigan uh, in a town just like Sarnia on a town on Lake Huron, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, um, and we're, we're attempting at the moment uh, to sell it as a limited television series. Oh yeah. Me and this producer in Toronto, I've written a pilot script and, uh, and, a, and the whole pitch. So he's trying to sell it. I'm very bad at selling. It's, uh, one of my show business weaknesses. <laughs> Seems um, like an important skill. No, I know. Well, the, you know, there's three skills the comedian needs. Writing ability, performing ability, and business ability. Right. And if you've got a lot of business ability, you don't even need the first two. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one where I lack. So, uh, uh, so that book. And the Book of Poems was my 11th, I think. Yeah. They're all available in Canada on various... Um, Amazon and etc. Uh, websites, and I also had a memoir about comedy, which is has two different titles. The original title was Ventriloquism for Dummies, but they 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 threatened to sue us, so we had to dump that. And I believe the for dummies people don't have a sense of humor. No, they don't. Wow. I believe the second incarnation of the book was titled. When the red light comes on, get off. Okay. Uh, but it's the same book. Right. And that's my the chronicle of first show at Yuck Yucks in 1980 to the Tonight Show in 1990. So 10 years. 
Um, what is, because uh, I saw you, I was before the pandemic now, so I guess it's been at least two years, um, in Ottawa at, I believe it was a Yuck Yucks, with the guy named, you'll know better, uh, Falconbridge something? Scott. Scott Falconbridge, yeah. It was a good, do you have any, what's Ottawa like as a comedy market? Is it, because it's got kind of a oh, reputation oh, of being. Ottawa was the best. Yeah. For a town that size, to and has two comedy clubs, and they both do very well. The crowds there are very sharp. Um, they're among, I would say they're the in the top two or three crowds in the country are in Ottawa, as in smarts, general enjoyment of the show. Yeah, I taped my second album there. Um, I did. Uh, uh, oh, my first album was, oh yeah, right. No, first album was, this is what I look like naked. <laughs> and my second album is, oh yeah, right. Sorry. I think, but they're both available on iTunes. I got to throw that in. Of course. iTunes, get the album. Anyway, <laughs> songs, jokes, pattern, blah. <laughs> that, oh yeah, right. Sorry. Is the one that I remember hearing first of yours way back in the day that, uh, yep. that routine. Yeah, I'm surprised to Yeah, I'm I'm surprised to hear you say that about about Ottawa. To be honest with you, because the city itself has this reputation of having like no light nightlife, right, and not being very much fun. And so I'm surprised to hear that it's no, 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 no. You're thinking of London. Okay. <laughs> the only the only thing that's redeeming about London, Ontario, is Mitch Marner played for the Knights. There you that's go. It. A bit of a rivalry between Sarnia and London, I guess. Uh, why don't we talk a little about the Leafs? Mitch Marner has been on fire. We just had the uh, the trade deadline the other day. It's been kind of a tale of two seasons, even though they've still been doing okay here in the last couple of weeks. But it's it's far less convincing than it was early in the year. What have you made of them lately? The the whole the whole breakdown, in my opinion, was the loss of Muzzin. Hmm. Uh, Suddenly, the defense, uh, you know, suddenly they had no anchor. They had nobody on defense who they, no go-to. Right. And all the other, uh, they have some excellent defensemen, but none of them had ever been the go-to guy on the back line. Mm-hmm. Muzzin was that guy. I don't even, I, I know it was a concussion at first. Yeah. But I don't know what. I don't know what it is now. It's a second concussion, so that gets oh, scary. It was. Yeah, that gets scary now, right? right? It's yeah, yeah. So you got to stay. You got yeah. Okay. And once you get one, you're susceptible yeah. to more. And yeah, it's not good. Yeah, the it's called Lafontaine syndrome. <laughs> Pretty um, much. So um, right. So losing Muzzin, and it's possible even when he comes back, will he be back this season? It, he's sort of back skating, but they're not making any promises on timetable. And okay, yeah. Well, even when he's back, he may not be right. able to. The guy yeah. he was, but that's to me that's the whole key. Uh, they started getting a lot of two on ones uh, uh, against them, and Campbell. So Muzzin was lost. Campbell lost his confidence. Morazek, uh Morazic is fine, except he's a number two goalie. Yeah, and the Leafs for many years uh, tried to play hockey professionally with two number two goalies. <laughs> At best, that was one of their that was one of their things. Yes, they, they didn't after, I guess Curtis Joseph. Yeah, Curtis after, and and Belfour had an okay couple years, but ever since they, they had a series of. They had, where both their goalies were number two guys. Yeah, the, the parade of, of Raycrofts and Toscalas and Bernays yeah. and Gustafsons. Yeah. And... They probably shouldn't have gotten rid of Rask, although... <laughs> Hindsight being what it one. is. So, okay, so... Um, and we talked about this the other day. Calgren went from uh, sign him to sign him for five years to trade him. Yeah. In three games. <laughs> That's life That's in Toronto. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's the problem. And they're giving up too many. They're they're still going to win a good percentage of games because they get a lot of goals. Yeah. But they're giving up way too many. And you, when you get in the playoffs and you're giving up goals, it ain't going to happen. 
have you ever seen anything like as a member of the Leafs anyway like Austin Matthews uh, you mentioned there you were actually alive the last time they won a cup so you've seen a few more games than I have but through the years of you know Sittlers and McDonald's and Sundin's and Gilmore's what this guy is scoring like nobody I've ever seen before oh I've seen guys score that that much but he has uh, he 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 has incredible hand skills. Yeah, his amazing hands, um, and uh, he's he's actually got amazing vision too. Well, it's not as good as Marner's, but it's very good. Mm-hmm. I think he's learned a lot of it from Marner. Marner's my guy. Yeah, I'm a I'm Marner. When he's on the ice, he's all I'm looking at. And when my wife comes to the room, I'll say. 16 watch 16 <laughs> watch what he does but there's a thing in um okay there's a thing in hockey okay you ready sure. here it is this the split second the puck hits your stick in that one second or less there's a pass available right mm-hmm. as soon as it gets there there's a pass there's an opening and most guys, almost everybody, never make that pass. Marner always makes that pass because uh, he knows the the soccer player said it. You have to know what you're going to do with the ball before it comes to you. And the other thing he has that blows my mind is he knows where there's going to be open space two seconds from right now. Yeah, like that sense of anticipation... The the, the 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 flow of play I, I played hockey as a kid and man I had no concept of what the <laughs> fuck was going on literally not one idea and Marner knows as he's skating where there will be open areas and you've seen him do it a million times where he's got a chance he's, he's shooting more now but mm-hmm. all through his career up to now he's got a chance to, sh- to shoot or and maybe score, but there's also a layup. If he doesn't shoot, he can lay it lay it onto a guy for an open net. Right. One of the reasons Matthews, I mean Matthews, is going to get forty no matter what. Yeah. But he might get fifty this. Well, he probably will get fifty. He might get fifty-five. Yeah. I, he's got an outside shot at sixty, I suppose. They're on pace for sixty-one if everything goes perfect. Wow. So yeah. But yeah. The, uh, but I think you're saying that Marner's half the reason, right? Marner, yeah. Marner, you know, Marner knows where Matthews is. Yeah, Marner, and they've got they've got a lot of great role players too. They, they they've got uh, Kerfoot's a very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, Camp is a very good player. Oh, have you noticed this? Engvall's big move is to carry it around behind the net, come up to the circle, turn and shoot. He scores one, maybe two goals a year on that move. Yes. <laughs> because sometimes they forget that that's his move. <laughs> <laughs> well, he looks brilliant when it happens, right? But yeah, yeah he's. He's a great skater. They have a lot of good skaters. Yeah, they, have, they play with a lot of pace. Uh, just one last thing on Marner. What do you think happened in the playoffs last year? Did he get in his own head and lose a little confidence? Are you worried about that happening again this year? Because as soon as, in this market, with the history the Leafs have in, in playoff choke jobs, like, for all of those guys, the pressure is going to, it goes up on everybody as soon as the playoffs start, but for sure, this team, sure. you got to imagine it's going to be right in their heads. I, I don't know that that's what it was. Hmm. He got cold at a really bad time. Yep. That's but you also come into playoffs, and we all know checking in, in a regular season game and checking in a playoff game, they're different. Of course, yeah. They check really close in playoff games. And in truth, Mar- if, if you're looking to beat the Leafs, you got to stop Matthews first and Marner second. Mm-hmm. And if you stop those two guys – they're going to get some goals. Tavares might get a goal or two. You know, that's why they lost last year was Tavares got hurt. Yeah, put a huge hole in the lineup. Yeah. An enormous thing. Yeah. An enormous thing. Yeah. 
but yeah, he went cold. I don't know that it was pressure. Hmm. Uh, if if it happens again this year, I'd be willing to. I'll stipulate. Yeah, yeah. That it might have been pressure, but I I I have a feeling as with everything you learn more every time you do it. They just need to win one fucking series. <laughs> That's what they need to do. Just one. Yeah, get the monkey they off your back. Throw somebody out and go to the next and and sit and relax and then they can relax and go. All right, let's play, man. Yeah. yeah. You know that's what it is. Uh, I. You're right, though. Uh, every every trade deadline, I dream that they'll trade Nylander, and they never do. <laughs> oh, no. But, See, I'm a big Willie guy. I like that. And I, I, I don't like him. No, I know. A, he's very he's polarizing. A, he's a very, very, very good player. Yeah. Uh, but he's the guy they're going to have to trade <laughs> when the time comes to, for, the, for the cap. Yeah. Or, you know, he's the third guy. Um, I don't think they can trade the captain. No. Because, like, there's four salary guys, right? Yes. Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. I don't think they can trade Tavares. So I, he's got to be the guy at some point. I, oh, I'm that'll break my heart a little bit. He's I, my guy. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Again, he's a good player. Yeah. No doubt about it. Do you, or, like... They've been a little cold here lately. Are you caught? Like, it's going to be a mess, too, because they're going to have to play either Florida or Tampa, it looks like. And those are two monsters. Um, I don't know what this is going to look like. The, here, the weirdest part about them is uh, they play their shittiest games against crap teams. Yep. I, and although I, I understand the, I understand in principle why that happens sometimes. I don't see. I don't understand why it happens to them so often. Yeah, just bury like these guys once in a while. Pad your stats. <laughs> like, you remember that 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 Red Wings game? They're up seven. Yes. And then five minutes into the third, it's seven six. What in the name <laughs> of God is the matter with you guys? So um, you don't know. I think again, if they could get up and get hot. They could beat Florida. They could beat Tampa. Mm -hmm. They've beaten them consistently most of the year. Yep. So, uh, and in my opinion, as long as they don't have to play Boston in the first round, it's a win. (laughs) Yeah, Boston is a... I don't want to see that anymore. No. I, I, I did a couple of times. I was like, whatever, let's slay the dragon. And I'm just, I'm over it. We're not going to slay the dragon. The, the dragon keeps frying us. So That Boston team, for... One line. Yep. One line. <laughs> they just know how to do it come playoff time, right? They're, it's amazing, yeah. it's really awful. Is. So, yeah, I, I wonder. I, it can't be easy to find Leaf games in California. you got to be on the NHL package. I can't imagine the Toronto Maple Leafs are big news the, down the, there. The, it was great. It was a great package for the first two or three years I was on it. And then when they switched over to ESPN, mm-hmm. now – I can't get um, on the on the cruise ships. I can't get the the TV. I can get the radio. Okay. So I I listen to the the radio broadcast, which I've come to enjoy a good deal. Sure. Because I grew up listening to baseball on the radio yeah. and some hockey too. Um, Foster Hewitt. I'm that old, <laughs> but. Um, uh, and and one of the things I love about it, I don't know if you well I don't know how old you are but the um, when I first came to LA in '88 I fell in love with ESPN. Okay, yeah. I'd never seen up to that point. Yeah. And um, it was I loved the highlights. I loved watching Sports Center. And now, in order to get Leaf highlights you'd have to watch the entire hour for uh, uh, 30 seconds in the 50th minute. Right. I, instead, I go to the website and I get the whole, I yep. get the game in six thing, which is great. It is, yeah. The, the, the technology's excellent. And I if I can't get the game on either, I have three or four NHL things on my TV. And if I can't do it there, I can do it on my computer, which is great. Mm. So, uh 
I love to watch it. I sometimes put the computer on the counter and do the dishes and watch the Leaf game. Um, but, uh, yes, it's great to be able to watch games. And for a, for less than half, or, yeah, less than half, what a ticket to a single game yes. would cost. What a shitty ticket <laughs> to a single game would cost. You can watch every game. I mean, come on. It's all, It's brilliant. I've, like... Even just on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, I have the the same um, package. And, uh, you know, whoever, I'll just, Boston's playing Detroit at 3 o'clock on a Saturday and I'm puttering away on something. You just have it on in the background. It's awesome. So, Remember Russ Cortnell? Vaguely. Oh, my God. When he first came up, I used to go to the games. It was like eight bucks to sit in the grays <laughs> those days. Russ Cortnell got more two-on-ones than anybody I ever saw. And he couldn't finish he was maybe the fastest skater i've ever seen wow and I, I, I never saw a federoff live right uh and there and and there were some great skaters certainly but oh my god he'd get four two-on-ones every game and get no points it was a stout <laughs> It, it reminds me a little bit of Mikheyev, who seems to get a breakaway or a two-on-one oh, constantly and never buries them. He's he's been snake bit. Yeah. that poor guy. He's <laughs> an he's an awesome skater. Yeah, that first goal the other night, two games ago. Yep, that little backhand that that goalie. Oh man, if a Leaf goalie, if a Leaf goalie had given that one up, they would have they would have hanged him. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, Mikheyev's a He's a great skater. He, he gets a step on you. You're never catching him. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's been fun to watch. They are really fast. They have a ton of skill. And at this point, I've, I've just tried to remain, and I've failed a lot of times, but I have tried to remain even keeled. Everyone has said since the beginning of the season, nothing matters. Show me in the playoffs. I don't care until April or May. And so I've tried not to get too high, and I've tried not to get too low, and it's not going well, but... There are certain nights where you're just like, give me a goddamn break here. <laughs> like, oh, I totally get that. Yeah. I totally get that. The uh, the frustration level can be incredibly high with the Leafs. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll wind this one down here, John. I really appreciate you making some time for me. And uh, we'll tell the good people again to, to check out the, uh, the Bad Piano Player podcast. Thank um, you very much. And uh, we'll link to a bunch of the books there in the uh, in the show notes when we get this posted on Thursday morning. And uh, very really, much appreciate I appreciate the time, Matt. Always a pleasure, even though it's the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it again. Yeah. All right, talk to you. All right, uh, there he goes. Uh, great to talk to John Wing. Um, like I said, a guy I've been a fan of for quite some time. So very cool that he was willing to come on and talk. Uh, we'll wind this one down here. Don't forget, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. And if you enjoyed this, uh, make sure you give us a follow there on your podcast app. And if you're uh, if you're feeling cool, you're feeling generous, go ahead and hit us with a rating and a review as well. Those always help. Uh, don't forget, next week, March 31st, Michael Barclay. He's got a book coming out in April, which is called Hearts on Fire, Six Years That Changed Canadian music uh, so we'll look forward to that and the following week graham creech steve bunda will be back to talk about ufc 273 so uh, a couple great shows still ahead of course rob is here every monday morning talking sports so stick around for that as well uh why not get out of here on the song that john referenced a few minutes ago there a very canadian song the canadian beaver thanks for listening everybody my name's matt robinson and we'll see you monday Jacques Cartier left France on a grey autumn day With the rain coming down in large torrents He was brave, he was nervy His men all had scurvy When they got to the Gulf of St. Lawrence He had back in France a most beautiful wife And he swore that he never would leave her but that crazy romantic, he crossed the Atlantic Just to find some Canadian beaver But our blood still runs hot when the weather turns cold Because deep down we're all true believers And packed with emotion, we will go and cross oceans In search of Canadian beaver She's furry, she's funny, her pelt is worth money She'll put your heart into a fever May she fall in your trap 
May she dance in your lap May you find your Canadian Hope she's a fox Find your Canadian Put her in a box Find your Canadian beaver Thank you. I wish we had time for more applause. Okay.